Welcome to Remember 64, where this week we save the garden one mission at a time. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is David Petrangelo, and if I ever have to defend my garden from an evil swarm of bugs and bees, I know they mean business. Or should I say, buzzness. <laughs> well, anyways, that's just a somewhat vague quip about the level 19 game this time around. That is Buck Bumble. A new guest will be joining the show momentarily to talk about the game, and I am oh so excited to have them on. But before that, just wanted to mention, as always, give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. Always much appreciated. Let us know what you think of the show as well. Um, all those ratings, all those comments uh, help us uh, climb the charts and have more people find us. Find this great console and these awesome games as well. If you have a buck or two, you can head on over to patreon.com slash remember 64 show where you can get all these episodes early hear about what i and others have been playing outside of the n64 and help us pick what games and episodes will be coming up in the future as well but of course as always we're going to jump into the game let's bust out the history books everyone i'm learning buck bumble is a 3d flying shooter that could be compared to the likes of Star Fox 64 i would say in many ways you don't move through levels in the same way you do in that game from A to Z, so to speak. You are zooming through, diving around, and defeating enemies. But what I found even more interesting, or maybe it's just a coincidence, but Buck Bumble was made by the same team who helped create the Super FX chip for Nintendo's Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes, that is the very chip that made the original Star Fox possible on that console, and a lot of technology going forward, as you're about to hear. Argonaut Games was founded in London, England in 1982, and if we skip ahead a few years to the late 80s and early 90s, they got their in with Nintendo as they showed off how they could defeat, or essentially hack into, the Game Boy's copyright protection mechanism. So yeah, cracking into the Game Boy impressed Nintendo. Jeremy Elliott, or as he was known as Jez Sands, founded the company and spearheaded the group to work with the Big N for years. It was he and other chip designers who proposed the true 3D possibilities of the SNES. Nintendo was so impressed through this process that they hired them to get that job done. They originally codenamed the chip Mathematical Argonaut Rotation I.O., or in short form, Mario. Now, at the time, the Super FX was so advanced and powerful, they joked that the Super Nintendo was just a box that could hold the chip, and that's all it needed to be. Funny enough, I mean, that's what a lot of people say about uh, consoles these days. It's just a small version of a PC in a lot of ways. Well, why is all of this so important for Buck Bumble itself? The chip was one of the biggest steps forward in home console technology, no matter how you look at it. Argonaut Games may not be around anymore, but it may be one of the forgotten landmark companies in the history of console gaming. Now, fast forward to the development of the Ultra, or N64, in the mid-90s, and Argonaut Games and Ubisoft began working on the idea. 
It was in the winter of 1996 when just three coders were visualizing what a garden warfare and bug battling game could look like in a 3D space. Well, instead of the conventional spacecraft and lasers and rockets, yes, Star Fox, <laughs> the team wanted to have more fun with what it could be and place Buck in the quote-unquote real world. Now, Buck Bumble got pretty good reception out there. It sold under a million copies in North America and a little bit less than that in Europe. But, you know, it wasn't a landmark type of title or release for Nintendo, so it did fairly well for the company and did fairly well for its release but as you're about to hear around this time when it came out at the end of 1998 it's had some stiff competition it did get some pretty good ratings though you'll see online if you look it up a lot of reviews from the time and even people that are reviewing it nowadays years and years later uh anywhere in the sevens and eights out of tens which is pretty damn good i would say now i'm referring to the busy time of year in 1998 it's a perfect time to head into Nintendo Power Time. It's issue 114. Some tough competition on the eyeballs of November 1998. Not only is Ocarina of Time on the cover, it takes up a dozen pages. There's also Glover, Banjo-Kazooie, and special features on Star Wars Rogue Squadron and the Game Boy Color. I mean, <laughs> you don't have any room for anything else, it seems. But the Buck Bumble pages do start with this gem of an intro. The only thing standing between the evil herd and the rest of the insectine is a lone cyborg bee named Buck Bumble. Get ready to lock and load, cause it's time to buzz through the 19 stages of intense aerial combat. It's time to be all that you can be. Yes, with two E's on both of those. Uh, as, as the Meg did at this time, they also rated and reviewed games that were in the issue, and Buck Bumble received a pretty damn good 8.2 out of 10. In the Satisfaction section, it reads, Ubisoft and Argonaut are to be congratulated on an excellent action game with fresh themes, look, and sound, as well as fun gameplay. And I think, everyone, that is a perfect chance for us to jump into talking about the game itself. I'm excited to bring in a guest. Let's talk about... Buck Bumble. All right, it is that time, of course, once again on Remember 64 to bring in our special guest. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this, getting this episode up and getting this uh, meet together and chat together for the last couple of months. And finally, finally, everybody, finally, it's happening. Uh, podcast extraordinaire Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, is here to talk about the N64 and Buck Bumble. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to have you on. Um, I'm I'm really really loving all the stuff that you do. I, I've been on I, very very briefly been on one of your sort of uh, side quest episodes on fun and games. But uh, before we dive into the 64 and the actual uh, Buck Bumble itself, let's chat a little bit about about yourself. Like where where can everyone find your stuff? Um, I mean, where can't they find it? Actually, it's probably the easier <laughs> question because you got so much awesome stuff going on. <laughs> so uh, well, thank you first of all. Um, it 
it, it's <laughs> I could run down the laundry list of all we the things start, I right? do, but we'd be we'd be here all day. So uh, DJStormageddon.com is where you can find all the shows that I work on. Um, of course, what uh, David was just referring to, Fun and Games, is my video game podcast. We recently launched a Patreon. Feel free to join. We'd love to have you. Um, but it is a general video game discussion show that looks on the lighter and more positive side of gaming. We do talk about some harder topics, but for the most part, we try and keep it light and positive. Because I don't know if you know this, Dave, about the you know the video game frontier is that it's kind of negative vitriolic a little <laughs> oh, bit oh i haven't and and in movies too i feel like i feel like there's some sense of that in just yeah. pop culture it's weird it's strange that it's you weird. say that yeah, yeah, yeah. i think you're onto uh, something yeah <laughs> and so it's very important for jeff and i to to talk more about the positive stuff and we've had some different developers composers we've had brent um I almost said Brendan Yuri, which is Panic at the Disco, different guy. Uh, we had Yuri Lowenthal uh, twice, uh, which right. was amazing. I can't. Yeah. Even, the second time he asked to come back, which I will ride that until the day I die. Because <laughs> do it, man. Do it, do it. Amazing. <laughs> um, but we also, as you mentioned, do side quests, which was uh, a series side series that I come up with and launched because there's too much negativity uh, about games. Uh, most memorable was when the new Paper Mario was coming out for the switch people saw a screenshot and said oh this looks dumb and i went really are you brain dead it's a picture uh, and i was like you know what i'm going to talk about a game i love that i just finished and then now we ha here we are over 200 episodes later um i launched the series with uh talk about control where i barely talk about what the game actually is because control is better the less you know um <laughs> but it just kind of snowballed from there we've had some incredible developers uh, creators podcasters of all walks do you did an episode you are in the queue to do another that uh, will be out at some point later this year and so like those are like that's the if your listeners are really into video games which i would assume they are that would <laughs> might be the first thing they want to check out and then the other video game related show i do is reignite um, as of when we're talking it is evolving from a mass effect podcast into a dragon age podcast we nice. did all three games of the original trilogy before the legendary edition came out and then we did andromeda which i had never played but my co-host did and it was my first time and i loved it um has its problems but i still enjoyed it uh and now we are taking it to the next obvious step which is to go into the world of dragon age which will be a little more daunting those games as good as they are, they also their mom their worst moments are worse. Uh, but ultimately, I like all those games, and I'm excited to dive in those characters as well. And then who knows from there? Uh, yeah. And yeah, and then also I'm the freelance editor for the Game Informer show, which is like a dream come true. I love Alex Van Aken. I love all the folks over at Game Informer. I've been reading it since I was a kid, and so yeah. Same. <laughs> to be working uh, as an editor for the show is great. Uh, I've been a guest on the show a bunch of times too, which is a lot of fun. And yeah, so that's like the broad strokes. If you want to find me while Twitter is still alive, DJ underscore Stormageddon is the best place to find me in most places. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, if you probably Google Matt AK Stormageddon, something of mine will come up and you can go from there. Right, right. Amazing. And you're, uh, I would say... Um... An awesome follow as well. It's not <laughs> it's not all about video games. It's not all about your dog, but it's a mix of both. And that's exactly <laughs> what it should be. And that's why we have platforms like that, right? That's what it's about. I love it. Sure. I absolutely love it. Um, Thank you. I, I got to post more about my dog because uh, it's, it's just it's it's the best. It's the best, it's, isn't it? Dogs are the best. I'm glad to have one of my own. I grew up with one and I've wanted yeah. a puppy since I was a kid and since my dog passed. And so like, I'm so excited to have Otis. He's great. He's the best. Uh, Amazing. Otis Hakelev Storm Hakelev is Hebrew for the dog. My spouse thought it would be very funny, and it is. <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive into the Nintendo sixty four. Uh, before we hit record, you said this was a console when you were growing up that was on a wish list. It was something that you were just 
really, really wanting to get. Let, let's dive into it. What, what's, your, what's your history with the Nintendo 64? So it's funny. I've told this story many times on many podcasts. I did an episode on side quests about Mario 64 where I recanted this tale. But so the N64 came out the year I got bar mitzvahed. And I remember asking my parents for it. And I was like, I really want this for my bar mitzvah. They're like, it comes out after the party. Mm. And I was like, that's okay. I'll wait. <laughs> it's um, worth the wait. I swear it's worth the wait. <laughs> and so, you know, I was very excited, but we didn't pre-order it. This was in the early days of pre-ordering games. It wasn't a common thing. Yeah. Um, and at Toys R Us, they didn't even like, now you go into Toys R Us, GameStop, wherever there's aisles of games. That's not yeah. how it was when I was a kid. It was like this back room with a counter and you would go up to the counter and ask for the game or the console or whatever. Uh, and I remember seeing it was sold out everywhere and I was really sad and upset. And, uh, I said to my dad, can we just try the local Toys R Us? Can we just give it a shot? I really want to see if they have one. And he's like, yep. yeah, sure. Of course. Uh, he humored me a lot as a kid. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, we go to the Toys R Us. And I remember going up to the guy behind the counter and I said, Hey, do you have any N64s? I really want to buy one. And he's like, you know, I think they're sold out, but I'll go check the back. And sure enough. He came out with an N64. I don't know yes. if this guy sold me some poor schmucks reserve copy or what, but I got one. <laughs> that's I got that's Mar- their problem. That's their problem. Right. <laughs> and so I got that and Mario 64. And Amazing. Uh, and what I always say about Mario 64 and why I did a side quest episode on it is Mario 64. I loved a lot of games before that. Chrono Trigger mm-hmm. is one of my favorite games, of, is my favorite game of all time. You know, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis era. There's a ton of stuff I love. But with Mario 64, it was the first time I played a game and felt like I got lost in a world Mm. besides some of the early RPGs. Like I looked at it and went, this is a world that I can move through, right? It's just the spatial awareness and all of that. Um, And I spent so much time with Mario 64. It was also one of those first games I remember having like this this electrifying buzz while playing the first couple times I played it. Uh, other games that gave me that were Metroid Fusion and Mass Effect, like games that I was looking, uh, Arkham Asylum, games I was looking forward to so much that like I could barely contain myself. Um, <laughs> and the N64 quickly became a favorite console, mostly because I had to justify the purchase in the four controllers, but also because <laughs> like, I, I just, I'm a Nintendo fanboy, and I, yeah. you know, I, I, and I had a lot of games for it. Um, I know you often ask on the show, you know, did you have a couple games or did you buy a lot of games? Um, it was a mix of both. Like most folks around our age, I think we relied a lot on Blockbuster. Yeah. But yeah. I did buy a ton of games. You know, I had Mario 64. I had uh, GoldenEye. I had Mario Kart. You know, I had a lot of the multiplayer games. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the go-to multiplayers. I, 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 I mean, that's a, that's a very common thread, though, I think. You know, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's what the console was for, I think. Yeah. And that's yeah. where it succeeded, so. It was also the first console where I really fell in love with Zelda. Like I had loved Link to a Link to the Past, but that was the only Zelda I'd really played and beat because notoriously the first two were impossible. Uh, <laughs> and then when Zelda sixty four came out, like it was given to me as a gift. I got the gold cartridge with a T shirt. Like it was a, a nice. present from one of my best friends. And so like it felt momentous in a way that previous Zelda games haven't, and that can, that trend continue. The yeah. Zelda games being the most important, one of the most important things I looked forward to on a new console, besides Metroid, but those were rarely at home console games. At yeah, least yeah, in the early days um, beyond Super Nintendo. So yeah, I, I the N sixty four I think is one of the most important video game consoles for me, besides the Nintendo GameCube, probably. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think you know I again I've, I've said it multiple times and stuff but like something about the 64 like is it a perfect console no is it a perfect controller no does it matter no it really doesn't (laughs) you know and there's something about that perfect age 
where you're just, you know, it's, it's the mid to late nineties and it just mm -hmm. is right at that time. And I know for sure this was marketed towards us, but you know, they knew what they were doing at that time. And, and I think they just knocked out of the park. Yes. There's a whole lot of technical things that we run into on all the game on most of the games that we've played so far, at least as of this recording, but like, it's okay. Like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and it's still fun. And I think that multiplayer is what it is, especially from, for this generation, the 64's generation and the one after, because of what this console was and what it was able to do. And I think that it like, it's, it's, you know, co-op coach co-op is not so much a thing anymore. And that's sad, but like, I think when we think of it, for me, I think of this console when it comes to that, you know, coach co-op and competitive stuff on the couch with friends and family yeah. is, is the N64. It's not even necessarily the Xbox or the 360 yeah. or the PS2 or any of that. It's, it's this console. And, uh, and it was just, that's why it's so special. I think to me, that's the big, that's the big stuff. So playing something like Buck Bumble, for example, yes. is not that right. Yes. I mean, or it has, it has a, a aspect of that in there, which I did not try do not try the multiplayer but the single player and and the one player mode and, and the story mode and all that stuff is not what i was just talking about so you were very excited and you suggested to play buck bumble i want to know why this game is so special to you then and how you feel kind of going back to it now so buck bumble is an interesting animal well he's not an animal he's a bumble <laughs> We'll get to that. Thank you for laughing at that very bad joke. Um, oh, it was excellent. I love that. <laughs> right up my alley. Um, so I, Buck Bumble was a rental game for me. I don't know that I ever owned it, but I, I it was one of those repeated rentals so I could beat it. And like you would yeah, there's always a couple of those, copy. right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I played it a lot and I really loved it. I don't know that I ever owned it. Um, and then I don't know. I think it was seven years ago. I have the video here in a tab. Yeah, seven years years ago in February of 2015, I discovered a, a, a little YouTube creator who's now a big YouTube creator named Ant Dude, who'd done famously a video on Buck Bumble. And I was ah. like, oh, I remember that game. I watched the video and like, so something to know about me is I'm a music nerd. I used to host a music podcast that doesn't really exist anymore. And like, I've always been the thing I probably talk about as much as video games is music and pop music. And nice like the big bit in that YouTube video and what I remembered when watching it that I'd forgotten from my childhood is that it has one of the best opening theme songs in the history of video games. And I'm not, this is not hyperbole. It it's, is it's really not. It's really not. You are 100% correct. <laughs> and so like I felt, I refell in love with the theme, theme song. I found ways to play the game again and really yep. loved it. And then I like befriended some folks in a few different video game communities who also were obsessed with that theme song and obsessed with this game. And it became memetic, but I just, I loved it and, and I still do. And so when you were asking me for games, but you're like, hey, probably not the higher profile stuff because we've covered a lot of that, like yep. Crystal Shards, which is one of my favorite games on the, uh, on the N64. So I was like, nice. all right, let's think outside the box. And then I remembered Buck Bumble. And I was like, oh, we have to talk about this. Perfect. Rich Honestly, like perfect, perfect pick. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh my god like okay so for me like, in comparison i maybe touched this game once or twice previously when i was a kid like because it really was just all about multiplayer unless it was zelda or mario uh you know unless it was those very obvious single player games or, or kirby for example i love that game always i played through that so many times growing up and i owned it i think honestly like buck bumble i knew what it was but I never really had any attachment to it. And I turned it on and I was immediately like 
what is this music? And why <laughs> have I not heard this until now? <laughs> Where has this been for the last 25 years? I love this. And I was just in right away, just off of that. So um, I, I had a great time with this game. I had a really, really good time with it. Um, you know, I think it does a pretty good job of early 3D controls and flying. Just like anything else of this time, it's not perfect, but I don't think that it necessarily like quote unquote fails in any way either. Like I think it is very, very good. I think the camera is at the right distance from your character, which always mm -hmm. helps. You know, I think early games that had 3D cameras always a struggle and honestly was probably a struggle for like a decade, I would yeah. say. And uh, no, you're not necessarily moving the camera, but it it you can see everything. You can feel where you're going. You have a good sense of space and all that. That's important, especially in early days of, of 3D. So um, like I would say, like, thank God that we played this because <laughs> this is great. I had such a good time with it. Um, did you? is there something in particular that sort of stuck out this time around that you're like, Oh, I didn't realize this or, Oh, I, I remember loving this. And you know, thank God it's still there. Is, is there anything like that that sticks out to you? I mean, I think the the big thing besides the theme music uh, is the, the weapons. I mean, I remember like I'm a shotgun lover in shooters just nice. flat out. If there is yeah. a shotgun, that is my weapon of choice, mostly because shotguns require less aiming and more just a direction and the spread <laughs> just, fire hits. Just somewhere in front of you. Right. Yeah. My, my <laughs> general my, direction. <laughs> my aim is not my strength in shooters. So, uh, but like I forgot how like really interesting some of the weapons were like yes. the homing uh, Tesla laser and the stun yep. gun and all that stuff and so i love the weapons and then i just i love the story it's so it's like it should be funnier than it is i feel almost like it is mm. very much played straight and i think yeah. that's what makes it kind of really entertaining is like you are just this super cyborg bee and you have to stop these insects that acquired this technology which made them like super insects and you have to defeat them and it's just that's it that's that's go destroy things that's it Here, um, do this go to this go to mission one two three four to you know um and and that's and that's it but s simple but in a good way i would say yeah and like the i the stages i they some of them were more annoying than i remembered but most of them were pretty mm. straightforward like yeah this game doesn't break any barriers. It doesn't like didn't revolutionize anything. It's also now I'm realizing the earliest Ubisoft game I've ever played because they published this. It was Argonaut yes. Software and Ubisoft. Um, I always thought that Assassin's Creed was the first Ubisoft game I played or Prince of Persia, but no, it was actually this. Actually, um, I, I would have thought that it was Prince of Persia as well. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, I guess it, for me, this could be it too. It could, it could yeah. be it. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, but I, I think that ultimately I'm surprised how well it holds up. There are a lot of N64 games that I've gone back to that I love that are harder to play. Like mm -hmm. I was playing Banjo-Kazooie recently on the X Xbox Cloud Gaming on my phone yeah. and it works well and it's pretty responsive. But like I think there are just things I expect I can do with the analog stick that it's just, you know, it's improved because it's been ported to other systems. But like it's still not as fluid as like i expected to be or even going back to mario 64 one of my favorite games of all time like i love playing it but like the switch port which ideally isn't great to begin with uh doesn't like map the c buttons as like the other analog stick it, oh weird of, like it sort of does and you can like tap it to like turn the camera but it's yeah just, it just does like they could have easily added i think an analog kind of look control to that it would have been sure. a simple addition but they didn't do that and so like 
with Buck Bumble replaying it in a completely and totally legal manner that I did for this episode. Um, <laughs> it, it The controls were okay, but they just definitely, like, they're not as smooth as I remember. And so yeah. but it was still totally playable and a lot of fun. And I think the absurdity of the game is what carries me through on this. Like, it's just, a re- you're a cyborg B. What, what else do you want? <laughs> right. That's it. Go, you know? And you know what? Honestly, like, I think even if you weren't a cyborg B and you were just, a bee or a wasp yeah. or a fly or whatever that just had guns and glasses and sneakers and like, you know, just sort of go for that, like kids cartoon aesthetic and just make mm-hmm. everything real. I mean, there's turrets and stuff. So I guess you have to have some sort of, you know, if that escape reality in some way, and obviously you're yeah. carrying these weapons, but you know, like if it was just essentially a cartoon put onto the screen in, in 3D and you just control, that's all, that's all you need, really, right? Yeah. Um, but the fact that he's a cool cyborg with glasses and, and can zip around and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I had, I, I thought that, yeah, you mentioned actually the levels. Some of them, I, I think most of them are totally fine. They, yeah. they totally work. I think it took me a few tries every once in a while to be like, oh, this is where I have to go and this is how I get there. Um, you know, I, I do actually was was actually quite impressed with quite a few of them were pretty big. The stages, yeah. they're a lot bigger than I thought. Like there'd be one section where you'd start off and you have to take out a few turrets and there's a couple of wasps kind of buzzing around you and stuff. And you have to pick up a key or or some some other item. And then yeah. a little, you know, hole opens up on the end, which I don't know what that is, if it's just like. <laughs> I don't know. It's a door sometimes, or sometimes it's just something else you have to go through. And then you go in and then it's another area that's just as big or bigger. And then you go to another one and then you have to backtrack. And like all of that stuff is, I did not expect. I honestly expected this game to be A to B and, you know, take out enemies, get to the end and onto the next mission. But they, they got a little bit more interesting with things. And I, I think that that's like, that's tough to do when you have so limited like literally limited technical capacity on these cartridges. <laughs> yeah. And they I mean, pulled it off and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's less than, and they jammed a bunch of stuff in just because they thought they needed to. Uh, yeah. That's how I, I felt. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And like, it reminds me of like the all range mode in Star Fox 64, another yes. favorite of mine. Yes. And like, but it's that all the time. And like, a lot of people say, oh, I wish all of Star Fox was like all range mode. I like being able to do all range mode and flying the, around the arenas. But I think being on the rails is the better part of Star Fox. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, like the reason I think a lot of more recent Star Fox games haven't worked is because they just they're trying to be too experimental with it. I think mm. Star Fox like you can iterate and evolve, but they also don't want to drift too far from what it was. They don't want yeah. to. Yeah. Like you have to go further. I think they're kind of in this liminal space. But anyway, like Buck Bumble takes the kind of all range mode thing. And I don't actually remember which of these came first, but it's that kind of gameplay, but with bigger arenas and more stuff going on. And I think it's just it adds for a more fun and frenetic environment. Yeah. And like you said, like it's not like the controls are fine. They're, they're for their N64 controls. Um, I think if this ever got re a remake, first of all, I don't know that I'd want to remake just cause I think the mo- modern game aesthetics might hurt it, but mm. I think the controls are the only thing I think that is a pain point And they're not even a huge one. They're just like, they're really they are, not. They're, they're fine, but they're not like, they're not as tight as some of the other first party Nintendo stuff, but they're still pretty good. Yeah. I, I think that, I think really, the only thing to me, the only thing that felt like sometimes a struggle is some of the enemies are so small, just like you are, because yeah. you yeah. are 
a fly or a wasp or whatever the enemy is, it's it's hard sometimes to really perfectly aim at that enemy because they're moving pretty fast and so are you. Yeah. Like the game is not slow. It's not really holding your hand to be like, okay, slow down. You have that option. You can sort of fly in, in one spot, which I actually did a decent amount until I realized, oh, I can just get hammered so fast and just <laughs> get down. Um, it's every once in a while, the enemies, they're a little too hard to catch up to or a little too small. Yeah. And the joystick is only so accurate. Uh, you can only do so much with it because it moves the camera as well as yeah. the, the, so there's that. But again, like you said, it, it doesn't, it doesn't break your, your enjoyment of the game. I don't think every once in a while I got frustrated, I guess the yeah. odd time, but not enough that I was like, well, I'm not playing this game anymore. Like, forget it. Like, why did Matt even rec- like recommend this? This is, jeez, oh, I can't believe I'm going through this. It was almost the complete opposite. Like, I was determined yeah. to start again and and do the mission again. And, um, you know, and and I also think that, like, as as frustrated as I could have been every once in a while, even if I if I went to the next level with next mission with, like, less health or whatever, I knew I was going to experience something different. Yeah. And I think, like... Every stage, every mission, you have a different layout and you have different enemies too, because like every few stages, you have a new enemy that you have to try and figure out how to defeat in a, in a new way with a new weapon, potentially like every, every weapon is more effective against a certain type of enemy. And I love that they did that. Like, yeah, there's just as many enemies variety as there are weapons. And that's great. I, I, I think that's, they kicked kick butt with that part i think <laughs> yeah i think the the diversity of enemies was fun it kept things interesting and ultimately the the game is not very long like it's not very narrative intensive it's you're on a mission to defeat these bugs and save the world and that's kind of the yeah. gist beginning of each what... mission you get a little text at the bottom and you know it's it's like go go get them buck you got this uh yeah. they th- this facility we found and oh they're attacking us and oh now you're in enemy's territory okay that's fine but that's all you need really <laughs> yeah is this is the game i'm going to back to all the time for its deep story no not no. Lot, but, like, <laughs> but whenever i play it i do enjoy it it's just, yeah it, absolutely it's just one of those games that is just kind of all all uh funky fun and 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 not so much on the like i love banjo kazooie i love donkey kong 64 i love conquer's bad fur day but all of those games are so much longer and require so much more of your time that i rarely return to them except to like play around and mess around in the space or to hear the great mighty poos sing because that's one of the best (laughs) the other best songs on the n64 um but like buck bumble is one of those games that I'm never disappointed when I return to it and play a bunch of stages and like often will find myself if I return to it to see through to as close to the end as I can get, because it's just the pace is really, uh, really fast and yeah. really engaging. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like um, I, at first I was, I was like, okay, I get the, I get the pace of the game. I, I get the gist of what, what I need to do here. Okay. I have like, yeah, at this point I maybe like three or four weapons at the most. This is early in the game, probably four or five levels in or, four stages in and then uh i realized wow this is not that easy it's actually <laughs> fairly difficult at times you know yeah part of it might be the controls you know the yeah. odd time could be could be because of that but there's some enemies i i can't remember i don't i i don't know i didn't have like the manual in front of me or anything like that when i was playing it but there's some enemies that are like diving at you plus they have projectiles that they're shooting at you but like yeah it's not like they go and hit you and explode they hit you they move on and then they come back and try and you you're dodging around you're moving around you're trying to take them out and and it's 
it's not, it's just not that easy sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I'm, I like, I feel like I'm being literally being swarmed by other bees. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought, right? And I thought that was great. I think, I don't know if that, that particular feeling is what they were going for, but, um, but I think it has, if you're, if you're a seasoned enough, um, shooter player or have played Star Fox 64 a, a decent amount or have experience playing games like this with, you know, a 64 controller or something similar, then I think you'll be okay. But I don't think it's any walk in the park either. No. Um, I, I found that uh, the only like main sticking point that I was like, why didn't they do this more was I don't think there's enough health pickups in it. No. I found, I found those are like hard to find. They're almost like, like rare collectibles in other games. <laughs> I'm like, they should be a little bit more forgiving with that. But, sure. um, but otherwise I just had a good time taking down all these different enemies. I thought it was great. It was, it was I'm awesome. so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, do, did you have like a favorite, do, do you have a favorite or, or most hated enemy? <laughs> I mean, I like the queen fight at the very end of the game. I, think, I. That, yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. And like, you think, you think she's defeated and then has a second phase. Love yeah. a good second phase, especially when you're like, Oh, I'm finally done. And then, Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I hated the ladybugs, especially oh. the armored ones. Just annoying. Yeah. Not hard, particularly, just annoying. And the smaller the enemy, the more I hated them too. Like, yeah, I as think I that's... said, my my aim was not great, and so like the the hard like the smaller targets are much harder to hit, and it's just yeah, like, the, those kind of drove me crazy more than anything else. Yeah, I think I think they were. I don't know if they're like supposed to be considered yellow jackets or fireflies or something like that but they're really really small so similar uh -huh. thing but they literally just kamikaze into you and they just like fly and like five of them come at you at once i'm like go away god i can't do this <laughs> and like they're so hard to shoot that you almost like have to let them fly into each other or you have to yeah. get them bunched up and then like use i can't remember the name of the weapon that has all the electrical shocks uh around it. oh i, um, I know which one you're talking about yeah, yeah it shoots out like like a essentially it's like it's like thor throwing his hammer and then all yeah. this electrical uh currents come out from it and it just zaps everything around it and it takes out these like 12 enemies at once i'm like oh okay thank god i don't have to deal with them anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah um those were the ones that that pissed me off the most but again all of that happens but it's so satisfying when you defeat them you know yeah. um whether you're cheesing the system or whether you're doing it the quote-unquote the way they want you to uh, which I don't know that there is really a way they want you to do anything in this because they leave it kind of up to you, which is yeah. which is fun. That's part of like the open world, uh, open arena aspect of it, and I I think that's um, I think that's great for a really early 3D flying shooting game. I, that was that was awesome. I was quite impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, the, it could have been much worse, especially since there are plenty of other games from this era and the PlayStation yeah. era that are have not aged as well. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be more than a few. I haven't really gone back to it since I started the show and just before it. I haven't gone back to a whole lot of shooters. And yeah. I'm and I'm honestly I'm scared to. I'm honestly <laughs> scared. I'm scared to. Because I I you know I I played Turok uh back in the summer again for the first time, and the way that controls is so odd. It's just yeah. nothing you're used to nowadays because you don't even use the joystick. And I'm just like, no. what is what is happening in this game right now? Like I get what they're going for because there was only one joystick and they wanted to do the look and first person and stuff. And somehow this one still works. And, uh, and I think, yeah, I think it's aged really well. And if anything has aged great about this game, I, I think it's the aesthetic. I think it looks great. 
Yeah. Um, but it's that music, man. I I I keep coming back to just the music in general, but uh-huh. especially that theme song. I I I can't understand, not understand, but I I I don't know how people don't like appreciate this as much somehow. Like, how is this not talked about every day? It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just. I believe the composer's name is Justin Chavarro Verona. Yeah, that's what something I, yeah. like that. Yeah, that's um, I, I probably butchered too, yeah. the last name, but um, yeah has done a ton of work and is like, but like the whole, and he did not only the theme song, but he did the score for the whole game. And the whole thing the soundtrack is really great. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing stands out in the same way that like, you know, the Grant Kirkhope stuff and Mm -hmm. all of that. But like that also Grant Kirkhope, I've been listening to for so long that like, I think his tracks are just as memorable because I went out of my way to listen to them. Right. Going back into this game, like every stage I got to, it's like, oh yeah, I love this track. This song rules. Like, and the sound design also was incredible in Buck. Yeah, actually, the yes, guns, that's a good the, point. Yeah, the enemies, all of that. Like, yeah. Oh, they, when you shoot the enemies down, and it sounds like ships are coming down. Like, yeah. it, it's oh, so, I love that touch. That touch, it's it makes it more satisfying. You know, it's just like it sounds like an old like World War One black and white video that you watched in school. Like, that's what yeah. it sounds like. Or the or ones that they recreate in movies as like a you know, and then it yeah. would crash behind you. And I was playing this with headphones on, and I could tell which way the the enemies were coming from and everything, which I didn't expect. I thought, you know, it's just I know it's stereo sound or whatever. I just suspected, okay, there's enemies around me. I'm gonna hear some buzzing. I'm gonna, but like I would shoot someone down and it would go and come across my headphones and down, and I was just like, oh. I'm like in this man. I am Buck Bumble right now. Like it was great. <laughs> it was yeah, so good. It's, it's great. Yeah, I love the, the effects in this. Definitely, definitely shows love and care for like not just the game, but like the genre fiction it's imitating. Mm. Yeah, which which I really appreciate. Yeah, yeah, and they really like I, you know. There's again, there's only so much they can they can build within the limited capacity of these cartridges and, and the console and stuff. But for the most part, the levels have you know. There's a couple shovels here and there. You see some plants and some water and all that kind of stuff. So like, it still feels like you're kind of like in a backyard. You know, I, I kept. Uh, I'm tr- I was trying to think of uh, as I was playing it. I was trying to come up with like a, a, a f- sort of. I wouldn't. I want. I don't want to go as far as funny, but like a title for every episode that isn't just the title of the game. And like this feels like it's garden warfare. That's what it feels like. It's great. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's I awesome. just and I'm just like that's what this is. And they really tried to make that true. And I think it's great. Um, they uh, like you said. They, I think there's love and care in this. And uh, and I think they they didn't chintz out on any of the details. And I think it they they kick butt. So I I want to say, sir, thank you for suggesting this game. Honestly. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. I, uh, it's always fun when you recommend a thing or suggest a thing for a podcast or for just a friend to play and they like it. So I'm I'm happy that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I it, it, the most excited I I'm, I mean, I have been and I'm going to be on this is a game that I have very little experience or no experience of whether it ends up being right. uh, a banger or not. Either way, that's what I'd look forward to the most. And this is under the uh, as the kids say, the banger category. Um, Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so this is good. This is shooting up the top of my list so far of, of these games that we've played thus far. So um, so thanks again for, for coming on the show, Matt. Um, again, just briefly, 
where can everyone find your uh, amazing stuff online and uh hard to keep track of all of it because there's so much but but what, what do we got out there that we can listen to Sure. So again, uh, you can go to djstormageddon.com to find everything that I'm working on. Uh, the big show that I want to plug is Fun and Games, which you can find on every podcast platform and Reignite as well, because uh, they are both video game related. But I do a TV and movie podcast called Screen Snark. I do a uh, interview series called uh, CPOV Autographs. Um, all of these are shows that I host and help and or help produce. And then I edit a bunch of different shows as well. Uh, if you go to certainpov.com, it's a podcast network that I'm a part of. That has a ton of different nerdy shows that are all really great um, and worth checking out. And then if you want to find me, I'm DJ underscore Stormageddon in like 95% of the social media. So as long as Twitter's still around tomorrow, you can find me there. That's where I'm most at. <laughs> exactly. It's always it's always a little like asterisk that we have yeah. to put beside it nowadays. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're currently in 2023. It just it, it's just part of the discussion now. So <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, I, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, down the line, we will have you back on the show and we will play Love another that. banger of a, of a game, I'm sure. And uh, until that time, thanks so much for, for coming on and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, thank you once again for joining me on level 20 of Remember 64. I can't believe we've made it this far in uh, this amount of time. I'm really, really happy that we've explored this many games, this many opportunities, and Buck Bumble is now towards the top of the list of the games that we've played, at least thus far, in uh, our recordings in the history of Remember 64. Now, if you want to continue to follow us, you can always find us online at Remember 64 Show. We have ourselves on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Those are the main places. Uh, that you can find us as well. Give us a rating on your podcast app of choice, of course. That always helps us uh, be seen and heard by other people. Also, tell your friends and family, why not? Um, and of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Remember 64 show on Patreon as well, where you can get all the episodes early and hear about other things that we are playing while also having some votes on what games we could be playing next and really should be playing next. I want you to let us know what you want to hear of uh, coming down the pipe as well. So thank you very much again for listening to the show and we will see you next time on Remember 64. And as always, stay pixelated, my friends. Remember 64.